Vox Quick Hits. The Wednesday night movie will not be seen tonight, so that we may bring you the following color telecast of the 40th Annual Awards of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Hey, what's up? Hello, welcome back to What to Watch. I'm Melissa Wilkinson. I'm Vox's film critic. I'm Emily Vanderwerf. I'm Vox's critic at large. The Oscars are this Sunday, April 25th. You can watch them on ABC if you want, or just watch the clips go by on Twitter. But here's how this is going to work today. There are eight nominees for Best Picture. Emily and I have seen them all, and we have split them up between us, so we each have four. And for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to give you our very best pitches for these movies. We're going to tell you why you should watch them before the big night and why they deserve to win Best Picture. And if you can only watch one before Sunday, hopefully you'll come away with something that you want to see. All right, so we have four rounds, and we're going to start with round one, the American Dream category. Emily, what do you have in this category? I have the film Minari, which is my favorite of the eight nominees. This is a movie about a Korean immigrant family that moves to rural Arkansas, where Father Jacob, played by Stephen Yoon, hopes to start a farm of his own. They meet other people in the community. They sort of uh, encounter conservative Christianity there. It's set in the 1980s. It's a really lovely coming-of-age story drawn from the memories of director Lee Isaac Chung. And if I were casting a ballot for Best Picture, this movie would be in my number one slot because it captures a slice of America you rarely see on screen, which is rural America, through a point of view you rarely see on screen, which is uh, the Korean immigrant experience in America. It is just gorgeously acted, gorgeously performed, gorgeously filmed, and that is why you should watch it before Oscar night and why it deserves to win Best Picture. And genuinely, I think it deserves to win Best Picture. You can watch it on digital platforms like iTunes, Amazon, etc., where it is available for rental. Alyssa... What's your take on the American dream and why is it wrong? <laughs> well, I would say that the the other movie among the Best Picture nominees that really plays into the idea of the American dream and maybe even fiddles with imagery we're used to seeing in movies about the West is Nomadland, which I think actually has a crack at winning Best Picture. This is a movie about a woman named Fern played by Frances McDormand, who has found herself basically living out of her van as a nomad on the road, um, picking up gig work across the country, everything from working as a temp Amazon worker during the holiday season to working in a beet farm to flipping burgers at Wall Drugs. And she's trying to find a community after she's lost the community that she's lived her whole adult life with. Her, Her husband passed away. The factory town that she lived in has shut down and she's been displaced. So the movie has a lot of really incredible landscapes of the West, but it's saying something about what this country doesn't have for people like Fern who've been working their whole lives but are finding themselves unable to get full-time employment anymore or find their place in the community. I would totally recommend people watch Nomadland if only because it's probably going to win some awards, even if it doesn't pick up Best Picture. Its director, Chloe Zhao, seems like she very well might become only the second woman in Oscars history to win Best Director and the first woman of color. Uh, Frances McDormand is always great. 
And I think there's a good case to be made that this film represents something really important about the time we're in and also about the film world itself, just the way that we're making movies that cross nonfiction and fiction elements. Um, There's a lot of empathy. It's a really, really lovely movie. And people can watch it on Hulu. Alyssa, I need to I need to jump in and say that you called it wall drugs and it's just wall drug. South Dakota patents here. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess you know more about the Dakotas than I do, Emily, as a uh, (laughs) as a native of the area. Um, Okay. well, so for our second round, we have a group of stylistically interesting films about recovering from trauma. Emily, in this category, what's your pick? I have chosen Promising Young Woman, which is a film from director Emerald Fennell. It is about a woman named Cassie whose friend was subjected to a brutal assault and later died by suicide. And it is about Cassie's attempts to get revenge on the people who did that to her friend. And it follows her as she sort of tries to take on rape culture as a whole by going to bars, pretending to be drunk, getting guys to take her home, and then, you know, scaring them senseless. And it also follows her attempts to get revenge on the many people she believes failed her friend. It is an interesting movie. It is a thorny movie. The ending of this movie will have you talking about it for days. I don't know that this is a perfect movie, but it's the one I've had the most satisfying arguments about this year. And I think that is worth something. And if you just want to watch a movie that will make you argue endlessly with everybody alive, Promising Young Woman is it. I don't know that it deserves to win Best Picture. I think it absolutely deserves to win Best Actress. I think Carrie Mulligan gives one of the best performances of the year in this movie, and it is well worth seeing just for her. You can watch it on digital platforms like iTunes, Amazon, and so on, where it is available for rental. Alyssa, what's your pick in this category? So my pick for this category would be Sounds of Metal, a film I really love. The film stars Riz Ahmed as Ruben, a metal drummer who one day discovers that his hearing is just gone. Um, Ruben is a former addict. He's been clean for years, but this trauma and loss really threatens his his peace of mind and really his life. And he ends up going to a kind of group living situation for former addicts who've lost their hearing, who are trying to learn how to live in the world. It's a really interior drama, partly because we are seeing everything from Ruben's perspective. Also, he can't hear a lot of the time, and the movie is really good at putting us inside his head using its sound design. There are a couple of really incredibly heartbreaking moments that happen in this film that the emotion comes from us hearing the world or not hearing the world through Ruben's perspective. I was blown away by this film. I didn't really know what I was expecting, but when I saw it, it it blew my mind. Uh, Riz Ahmed is fantastic in it. Um, He is a musician in his own right, and he really brings that sensibility to the film. It's the kind of film that will never win Best Picture, but it certainly is the kind of film that shows us what this director is capable of and especially what Ahmed is capable of. If I could give him an Oscar, I certainly would. Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime, so you can stream it there if you're a subscriber, and I definitely would recommend you do. All right, we have arrived at category number three, which I have thought of as movies about old dudes who are trapped in houses, which might be a little simplistic for these two different movies, but... To be fair, they are both about old dudes trapped in houses, at least in part. (laughs) They might not be alike in any other way, but they certainly have that going for them. 
So why don't I start with my pick for this, which would be The Father, a movie that I know we both actually really love. Yes. The Father is based on Florian Zeller's a mega award-winning play. Um, Zeller adapted and directs this version of it. It stars Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman, And it's a movie about a man named Anthony who is elderly, and we come to understand he's starting to have difficulty distinguishing between his memories and putting time in a kind of chronological order. I've seen a lot of movies about older people who are going through memory loss and the families around them, but I have never seen a movie like this one ever. I I feel like I can't even explain everything about it without giving some really vital things away. But at every moment, I was riveted. I understood what Anthony was going through in a way that I wouldn't have, perhaps, with another film about memory loss. And I think that it really does a good job of helping us see how difficult it is for both the people who are going through this experience and their families who are trying to grapple with what's going on with their loved one. If I could pick one movie to win Best Picture that is unexpected, it would definitely be this one. I have been collaring people and saying, you must see this movie. You can watch it on digital platforms where it's available for rent. And if you watch one movie this weekend, I would say this one is fantastic. It is by far the shortest. It is just over 90 minutes long. You can carve that time out. I know you can. But uh, my old, my movie about an old man trapped in a house is Mank, which you can only pronounce with an exclamation mark at the end. Mank. It's about Herman Mankiewicz, who is the co-writer of the famous film Citizen Kane. He also was a screenwriter on a number of classic films. The one you've most likely heard of is he was one of the people who came up with the story for the movie The Wizard of Oz. This movie is from the great director David Fincher, and it is about the events that led Mankiewicz to sort of come up with some of the ideas that were in Citizen Kane. It's kind of about the process of collaboration. It's kind of about what it was like to be in old Hollywood. It is really about politics and about the intersection of messages in movies and the ways that they impact the world. It features a wonderful Charles Dance as William Randolph Hearst. It features perhaps an even better Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davies, who is much smarter than she lets on. If I was going to say this movie has a flaw, I think it's that Gary Oldman is maybe a little bit miscast at its center, but this is a really enjoyable movie. It, it really flies by for a movie that is about the political situations that led to the writing and production of Citizen Kane. Like I say that and it sounds like homework, but it's zippy, it's fun. There's a lot of great dialogue and funny dialogue in it. I don't think it deserves to win Best Picture, but it's also the kind of movie where if it won Best Picture, I would be like, not my favorite, but I get it. And you can watch it on Netflix. Alyssa, our next category, literally both of these movies are about the same time and place. So why don't you set that up for us? Sure. So both of these movies are about Chicago in the very late 60s, uh, bleeding into the early 70s, and about the political situation at the time. And and by way of Chicago, they tell us stories about America. Um, the first one in a movie that I 
was really astounded by is Judas and the Black Messiah. It's about the assassination by the FBI of Fred Hampton, who was the young man who was chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party in the late 1960s. It's also about the man who was planted uh, in the party in order to bring down Hampton, whose name was William O'Neill. Lakeith Stanfield plays William O'Neill. He's incredible. Daniel Kaluuya plays Fred Hampton. He's astounding. There's a whole cast of really wonderful actors. But what you really get from this movie is the feel of the political situation at the time, the feeling for how young all these people were who were activists, the way that Fred Hampton brought differing factions of activists and groups in Chicago together to work for the same causes, and the incredible tragedy of him being assassinated by the FBI and even why the FBI saw him as such a threat. It's a great movie. It moves really fast. Um, Its director, Shaka King, um, this is his first dramatic film. Normally he's directed a lot of comedy, so it has a kind of kinetic energy that um, is hard to beat. I would love for people to watch this movie right now. You can rent it on digital platforms. I think it might be a little too radical for the Academy, but it definitely is the kind of movie that I hope we keep seeing showing up in the Oscars in in the years to come. Emily, what do you've got? Do I have to do this one? Like, do we have to talk about this one? (laughs) We have to. I could just talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. I really like that movie. (laughs) No, uh, my final film is The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Is a story of seven men who are put on trial for their role in the protests, the uprising, the riots, however you want to call it, around the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago. The United States government attempts to charge them with a conspiracy to cross state lines to incite a riot. And it is a film about the process of that trial, which was long and horrible and lots of terrible things happened in it. And this movie attempts to show you all of that in the most simplistic and anodyne and like, look at this. Aren't you a good person because you are not an old racist judge like that? It's that kind of movie. It's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. And I normally can just get with Sorkin, even if I don't always like his stuff. This is weirdly like dull and has long stretches where not a lot is happening and the dialogue is not as zippy as he usually is. And the ending of this movie, I cannot stress this enough, is a violation of human rights. And this movie should be thrown in prison. <laughs> and You're making quite the case here. <laughs> Why should this movie win Best Picture? This movie should win Best Picture so that the Oscars are forever abolished. (laughs) Where can you watch this film? You can watch it on Netflix, but you should watch any of the other seven before you watch this movie. They're all better. Well, with that ringing endorsement, um, we'd love to hear how we did, whether we convinced you to watch any of these movies, what your best picture predictions are. You can tweet at us and we hope you have a good time at the Oscars, whether or not you watch it or just watch it go by on Twitter. We will see you next week. Have a good weekend. You know what should have won Best Picture was Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which just qualified. Oh, yeah. 
it's so funny. It's so funny.